I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Crazy times, scary times, frustrating times right now. But the NFL is still breathing. And we're talking about it on the Brandon Contis Jets podcast right now. Contis, I am a Contis. You better like me. I'm from Patchogue. All righty, nice job as always with the free music YouTube. You're listening to the Brandon Connors Jets podcast on SD Nation, episode 29, my first ever sports podcast where we keep it simple, we keep it short, never more than 20 minutes. If I have more to say, just put it in another podcast. But it is, it's a very strange time in sports right now. It's, it's a very strange time in our country, a very strange time around the world and with life in general, but football is still there. The NFL is still there, uh, but it's hard to get fully entrenched in football with, with everything else going on around the world where every week, every day, every hour at times is seemingly unrecognizable from the last. You know, you're watching hospitals fill up, watching people get sick, worrying about friends and family who are at risk, seeing the economy crumble, watching people lose retirement funds, watching people lose jobs. Everybody's been affected. Everyone's going to continue to be affected. And I think that that's the most frightening part is not knowing how much and for how long, because there is no end in sight. And if we knew if it was two weeks, knew if it was two months, we could plan accordingly. But is it going to be two months? Is it going to be six months? Is it going to be more? Will my wife and I come out of this still having jobs? Will we still have a savings? Will we get sick? Will somebody close to us get sick? These are all questions that everyone, everyone is dealing with. And you go back to January, you go back to the Super Bowl when when coronavirus concerns were starting to enter the United States, but we, we still looked at it as something so foreign. And even after seeing what it did in China, what it, what it did in Italy and other parts of the country, there still was no sense of urgency, no sense of if something similar could happen and, and could impact us. But if there's one thing that the virus has shown us, it's that ignorance can't beat science. And usually... Once something like this is going on, we still have sports. We, we have sports as an escape during national emergencies. Sports are still there, but right now they're not, and we, we don't have that escape. I, I can't put the Mets season opener on this week. I can't. I can't watch baseball. I can't watch basketball. That's not, that's not to say, woe is me. I can't watch the Knicks get their 50th loss of the season, <laughs> but it's different. It's, it's not having sports is strange. And I'll, I'll commend the job that sports radio, television, podcast, video, and written content has done in still being there as a source of information, as a source of entertainment for everybody, even as especially as more and more people work from home. And the NFL has certainly helped, especially recently, while other leagues are silenced. The NFL, they're, they're having free agency. They're making headlines, and it's been good for the industry, good for giving people something to talk and argue about during this global crisis. And at the forefront of that this week was Tom Brady. So, yes, thank you, Tom Brady, for giving us some new headlines. Thank you, Tom Brady, for giving us something else to talk about. And I am not one of the people that are now going to jump on the bandwagon of saying I knew Tom Brady was leaving New England because I, I never believed the rumors. Right up right up until the second that it was confirmed he was headed to Tampa Bay, I never believed it. I never believed he was leaving. I always saw him heading back to New England because it made too much sense. 
It, it made too much sense for Tom Brady to go back to the New England Patriots. He won six Super Bowls in the same city, on the same team, with the same head coach, and he's 43 years old. Why change it now? I get it if it was 10 years ago, but but starting over at the age of 43 just sounds insane. So if this happened after he tore his ACL, if the Patriots and Tom Brady wanted to divorce back then, I'd get it. I'd believe it. And let, let's not forget, every single year since Brady tore his ACL in 2008, since he missed that entire season following going 16-0, and every year there's been talk that he's over the hill. Remember the people that thought the Patriots should stick with Matt Castle? Remember when his stories were written in 2013 about Brady being done? The year that he had a quarterback rating of 87.3 and just 25 touchdowns, while Peyton Manning was over in Denver throwing 55 touchdowns. I believe a divorce after those years. Everybody wrote Brady off that season. Everyone thought that Peyton Manning found the fountain of youth with a quarterback rating almost 30 points higher than Brady in 2013. But seven years later, Manning is long retired, and here we are, Tom Brady getting a two-year contract worth $50 million at the age of 42, 43 when the season starts. 43 years old, and he's getting paid $25 million a year to go to a new team. It's crazy. Now, as a Jets fan, this is twofold, maybe even maybe even trifold, because it signals the end of the Patriots as we know it. I'm not saying it signals the end of the Patriots, because I'm not I'm not going to say that it signals the end of their division title reign, because it doesn't. But they look a lot less scary right now. They look a lot less intimidating without Tom Brady. And yes, maybe that is just the imagery of it. Maybe not factually in terms of how talented the team is. Are they better with or without Tom Brady? We could debate that, and we will. But without the face of their franchise for the first time in almost two decades, they appear to be less intimidating at the surface. But there's also, there, there's a part of me, again, as, as a Jets fan, there's a part of me that is oddly, and I don't even really know how to explain it, but there's a part of me that's oddly upset because it's the end of an era for me as well. He, he was their quarterback since I was in middle school. He, he was the hated quarterback of the hated New England Patriots, of the division rival for the majority of my life, and now he's gone. And he's out of the division. He's out of the conference. And that signals the end of an era of my life as a sports fan as well. I wanted to beat the Patriots. I, I wanted to win the division while he was still there. Beating him in the playoffs in 2011 was absolutely incredible. It was an incredible feeling to watch Mark Sanchez and Bart Scott and that Rex Ryan-led team go into Foxborough, a game that I was at, go up there and actually beat the Patriots and knock them off. I wanted to do it again. I like I liked being the underdog. I, I liked chasing the New England Patriots and beating the Patriots without Brady is not going to be the same. It, it wasn't the same when Matt Castle was the quarterback and Brett Favre went into New England and beat the Patriots. It didn't have quite the same feeling because it felt like you should beat the Patriots. But now what does this actually mean for the Patriots going forward in, in terms of being the reigning division champion? And I have a hard time viewing losing a 40... And look, Tom Brady, is he's certainly... Uh, he's different than the rest. He he broke the mold in terms of aging quarterbacks. But I have, I have a hard time viewing losing a 43-year-old quarterback as a negative for a team. He's a 43-year-old quarterback. Brady was not great last year. Brady was not good last year. And yes, he did not have a lot to work with in New England. And with a good offensive line and strong playmakers, he can absolutely still be very effective in this league. And, and I think we're going to see a statistically better Tom Brady in Tampa Bay than we did last year or than we would have next season if he was still with the New England Patriots. 
But losing Brady, it, it almost gives Bill Belichick a chance to build New England how he wants, build this team how he wants. He could build the team toward the future rather than having to be for, rather than being forced to build around Tom Brady, knowing that you have a forty-three-year-old quarterback. Because Brady was becoming a liability in terms of building the Pats for long-term success. You, you sacrifice the future for the now because you have a limited 43-year-old quarterback under center. The Patriots didn't win because of Brady the last two years, and he was not about to carry them back into the playoffs next season. I, I think the Patriots can be better without number 12, and that's the frustrating part as a Jets fan because it would have been a lot more satisfying watching the Jets beat New England while Brady was still there. And it's going to be harder to beat him while he's gone. So what's next for the quarterbackless Patriots? Is is Jarrett Stidham the guy? Do they add a veteran? The one thing that I will say is they lost Brady for nothing because they did not get anything in return. They're not now going to go ahead and trade something to replace him with a lesser or with a comparable quarterback. So they're not going to trade assets for Andy Dalton. They didn't get anything in return for Tom Brady. They're not going to give something up for an equal for a lateral move. They're only going to deal assets if it's for a guy that they view as the future. So somehow if they're able to land Tua in the draft or or anybody that they might target as being a future stud quarterback in the draft, then they'll trade assets for him. Other than that, I, I don't see them making a deal, giving something up to get somebody. I, I don't see them spending $25 million on a quarterback either that they don't know for sure is going to be the guy that is going to be the future going forward. So I don't think they're going to give a big contract to Cam Newton or, or to Jameis Winston or, or somebody like that. But for now, it's a new era. It's a less intimidating era. It's even a less satisfying era. Even if the Jets are going to win, it, it's, it's somewhat going to be less satisfying without Tom Brady there. But how do they win? How do the Jets take a step this season, and have they? Have they and Joe Douglas done that yet during the offseason? Let's take a quick break on the Brandon Condes Jets podcast, and we'll talk about it next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So the easy part for the Jets is recognizing where they have to improve. Recognizing that the Jets have an offensive line problem, that's easy, right? Fixing it is difficult. And let's not act like signing a few guys guarantees a good offensive line. They did that last year. They did it in recent years. They added they added Kolecce Osemele and Ryan Khalil last year. They added Kelvin Beecham a couple years before that. It's not like they haven't tried. It's not like they haven't made changes to the offensive line. So this year, bringing back Alex Lewis, signing Connor McGovern, signing George Font, signing Greg Van Rotten, they seem like good, solid, sound moves. They're on target with what the Jets need, but we have no idea how this offensive line is going to mesh. Few teams have been able to build an entire offensive line in one offseason through free agency nonetheless. That's that's not how it works. That's not how you build an offensive line. Strong offensive lines are built through the draft, and they're built over time. So I'm not going to laud Joe Douglas for recognizing the obvious, recognizing what everybody recognized in the last couple of years. That is that they need the to improve their offensive line. And I'm not going to laud him for signing a few guys in hopes that maybe at least one of them 
will pan out because realistically, they're not all going to pan out. That's the reality of NFL free agency. And that's why I thought it was so important to focus on bringing in an elite offensive line coach. Bill Callahan was available to be brought back. He ended up in Cleveland, but Callahan was great with the Jets from 2008 to 2011. They had an elite running game. They had a top offensive line those years. And even last year with the Washington Redskins, their offensive line was not talented. They were without Trent Williams, who maybe the Jets might bring in this offseason. We'll see. But he made Eric Flowers look more than serviceable. He got Eric Flowers paid. Flowers just got $10 million a year. $30 million from the Miami Dolphins. And he was awful, if you remember. Awful when he was with the Giants. But when you're piecing together an offensive line, And look, you could sign and you can draft as many guys as you want, but it is still very hard to get that offensive line, to get them chemistry and to find the right mix. And I I thought it made too much sense for the Jets to bring back Bill Callahan. It's really, it is really hard to build an offensive line in one offseason. Having a top offensive line coach to bring some scheme and stability would have helped tremendously, but it didn't happen. But what I do want to commend Joe Douglas for is his overall free agency approach because the Jets are not big game hunting. The Jets are not spending a ton of money, and that's an approach that Joe Douglas learned over his 14 years as a scout for the Ozzie Newsome-led Baltimore Ravens, build through the draft, and that's something that the Jets have not done. They've been awful in the draft in recent years. And let's give Joe Douglas a chance to right that ship, a chance to be better at it. He certainly can't be worse. I have no issue with him not throwing out any $80 million contract offers this year. No, not not making the C.J. Mosley, the, the Trumaine Johnson, or, or Le'Veon Bell type of move. Those are moves that have not worked out recently for the Jets. Build through the draft and supplement through free agency. Mike McCagnan tried to build through free agency, and then he would just waste the draft each year. The other thing that I like that Douglas is doing is he's showing confidence in Sam Darnold as the quarterback. Because he's focusing on the offensive line instead of focusing on playmakers and saying, look, I have a quarterback that if he's protected, if Sam Darnold gets some sort of protection, if he's given some time, he can make guys into playmakers. He, he can make the guys around him better. He just needs an improved offensive line. So worrying more about the O-line as opposed to worrying about the playmakers, to me, that signals that he's confident in Sam Darnold as the quarterback. Now, that's not to say that if they could have added DeAndre Hopkins, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been all over because I would have. Hopefully, Douglas and the Jets were in on those conversations because the Houston Texans wanted to deal arguably the best wide receiver in football in the prime of his career for an over-the-hill, high-priced running back, which the Jets actually happened to have. The Jets fit that mold. So was Douglas on the phone? That's what I would like to know. Was Douglas aware that this move was happening? Did Douglas offer Le'Veon Bell for DeAndre Hopkins, just like the Cardinals did with David Johnson, and the Cardinals were able to get him? I certainly hope so. I, I hope it was the Texans that said no to the Jets and not Douglas that just never picked up the phone and tried to speak with the Texans. The other sound moves that he's made so far this offseason, two, two good corners stay, two bad corners go. It's refreshing to watch a general manager make the moves that seem obvious because in past years you couldn't guarantee seeing that. And Arthur Mollette was very impressive last year when he stepped in and he, he shored up the secondary after Tremaine Johnson's season ended. He looked very good in Greg Williams' system. And then Brian Poole as well, pro football focus, ranked him as the top slot corner in the league last year. And if you watched him, you saw that he was very effective. So bringing him back for just $5 million, another one-year deal, another show-me contract for Poole was great. And, and I was very surprised to see that he didn't get a multi-year deal elsewhere. I was kind of expecting him to. 
Uh, but Mollett and Poole stay. Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts are out. Again, smart moves. Keep the good corners. Jettison the bad ones. Thanks to the new CBA, Johnson's $12 million cap hit can be spread out over the next two years. And I, I think they did $8 million this year and $4 million next. Uh, but what a disaster he was. I thought year two was going to be different. I thought reuniting with Greg Williams, I thought the second year of his contract, I, I thought it would be good for him. Not uh, not necessarily get him back to an elite level, but at least to a serviceable level. Uh, but he's he's exactly why it's hard to sign top free agents and expect a big return on them. You, you just don't get it. If teams are willing to let players go, it's rare that other teams are going to be able to capitalize on that. Um, I don't know if Douglas is going to be a good GM long term. I don't know if Douglas is going to fix the Jets' problems this offseason. I don't know if he's going to fix them in the draft. But he at least he brings the right mentality. You make the obvious smart moves. You don't overspend. You don't chase star names. You don't chase making a big splash. Build the, build the lines, protect your quarterback, spend wisely, and draft effectively. It's the right mentality. Is he the right person to implement that mentality? Is he the right person to make these decisions? That's what we still need to find out. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Condes Jets podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes. Stay healthy. Hopefully stay employed, but stay away from as many people as you can. Wash your hands. And as always, be good.